The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. And he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name, the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As you can plainly hear in our joyful music and see in our lovely flowers, we are continuing to celebrate Easter. Easter is not just a day, it is a season in the church, and it is a week of weeks. It's 49 days leading us to Pentecost on the 50th day. And in another sense, every Sunday throughout the church year is a little Easter, a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So my friends, happy, happy Easter to you. In our gospel reading this morning from John, we return to the events of that first Easter day. The previous verses tell us that early in the morning, Mary Magdalene bravely went to the tomb in which the crucified body of Jesus had been lain, only to find the stone rolled away, the tomb empty, and the grave clothes lying there. Peter and John came and went, but Mary stayed. And the risen Lord came to her and said her name, and she knew that it was Jesus. She was the first person to see her risen Lord, 
And Jesus made her the apostle to the apostles. Go and tell them that you have seen me, he said to her. And she did. Did they believe her? We aren't told, but it seems maybe not. What we do know is that his followers were terrified on the evening of that same day when we find them in today's reading. They are in a house and they have locked the doors for fear of the Jews. It is important to state the obvious that Jesus is Jewish, most of his followers are Jewish at this time, and their fear is not of the Jewish people in general, but of certain religious authorities in Jerusalem at that time who wanted Jesus out of the way. As followers of the crucified Jesus, they gathered in fear and they locked the doors. And was there ever a sorrier gathering? They had variously deserted Jesus, denied him, watched him die at a distance or up close. Were they ashamed, horrified, frightened, confused, afraid of being next on the cross as his followers? And I wonder, did any of them have some hope that what Mary Magdalene told them might be true? And then the risen Jesus appeared to them. Can we even imagine their faces? And he said what they needed to hear, peace be with you. In complete contrast to his terrible, violent death, peace be with you. They ran away when he needed them most, and yet he doesn't seek revenge on them. He does not accuse them of desertion. He does not demand that they confess what they have done. He doesn't demand anything. He just showed them his scarred hands and his side. He showed them that the same one who died so terribly was alive before them. And in what is surely the most understated sentence in the entire Bible, John writes, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Again, he said to them what they needed to hear, peace be with you. And not only peace, but purpose. He gave them their high and holy calling. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. He trusted them. He still trusted them. And he sent them out to declare and share and embody God's infinite love poured out for this world. And when he breathed the Holy Spirit into them, the spirit that hovered over creation at the very beginning, the spirit that was given to him in his baptism, he created something new out of them, a community of love and reconciliation, a community that continues through the ages to us here in this place this morning. I've had several conversations with St. Philip members this past week about this year's Holy Week and Easter, the sacred story, the message, the worship, the beauty of it, the joy of it, the glory of resurrection. And some of those conversations held another note, a sadness, a concern, an awareness 
that some of their loved ones are not interested in the story of Jesus' resurrection or are not convinced of it. The deepest desire of their hearts and their prayers is that their beloved unbelievers would come to know how much God loves them. Perhaps you can identify with this yearning. Jesus' next words in today's Gospel reading, verse 23, if you happen to be following along, speak directly to this situation if we dig a little. Let's take a look at what, with the help of Dr. Sandra Schneider's scholar and professor, whose articles about John's Gospel have been my companions this last week. Now, Jesus' next words are, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. So far, so good. The importance of forgiveness is clear, if not always easy. But the next phrase is usually translated like this, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, I'm just going to admit to you that I've always been confused by that second statement. Since Jesus has come to take away the sin of the world, why this talk about retaining sins, and what does that even mean? We turn to Dr. Schneider's. She suggests that this second part of the verse has been mistranslated. Now, bear with me, if you will. I believe this is worth our consideration. The first part, translated word for word from the original, is accurate. Of whomever you forgive sins, the sins are forgiven them. So the first part is the same. It's about forgiving sin. But in the second part of the verse, usually translated, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained, the word sin does not actually appear. It is assumed to match the phrase before it, but the word sin isn't actually there. And the word for retain can also mean hold fast or embrace. So then it would read, whomever you hold fast, they are held fast. Or whomever you embrace, they are embraced. And one more thing, there is an ongoing, not a once and done nature to the grammar. So Dr. Schneiders believes the meaning of Jesus' words is actually this. Those whom you are holding, embracing, including in the ongoing life of the community, are indeed held fast. Now this leads us directly into what comes next, the Thomas story. Thomas wasn't there on that first Easter evening. The others told Thomas they had seen the Lord, and he flat out didn't believe it. He wanted the same chance they already had to see and to touch his wounds. He could not believe without that. It was just too far-fetched or maybe too much to hope for. But notice, he is still one of them. He is welcome in the house with them. They didn't critique his unbelief. He hasn't been shunned or excluded because he didn't believe like they did. Instead, they held on to him until he had his own encounter with Jesus, which he did a week later. 
His friends held him fast through his doubt into faith. And he came to that glorious place in his soul when he said to the risen Jesus, My Lord and my God. And he spread the good news of his Lord and God far and wide. To this day, Christians in the Kerala region of India call themselves St. Thomas Christians, tracing their faith back to the evangelism of Thomas, who was held from doubt to faith. So, what about our beloved unbelievers with whom we long to share the blessing of faith in our Lord? The ones who came to church with us on Easter morning because they love us and didn't want to hurt our feelings. Or the ones who think God is a pretty story or who have been too hurt by life to believe in a loving God. What do we do? We hold them fast. We hold on to them. We love them. We include them. We ask for the grace to share with them what our faith in Jesus Christ means to us. We listen to them. We pray for them. We do our part to keep their door open for the Holy Spirit to come in and grow faith in them. We simply hold them fast. And my friends, can we show ourselves this same tenderness Because don't we all go through times when our faith is shaken, when God's infinite love is just hard to see? So what do we do? As Christian community, we hold on tight to each other until, like Thomas, we are caught up in an experience of the risen Christ. So dear Lord, help us to be your resurrection community Help us to hold on to each other while you continue to work within us. Lord, break through our locked doors until together we see you and experience you and declare to you, my Lord and my God. In the name of Jesus, amen.